Doctors call it accidental awareness during general anesthesia, AAGA for short. It's the experience, the unpleasant experience, I dare say, the horrific experience of waking up during an operation. In AAGA episodes, patients are put under general anesthesia, as normal, and the surgeries are started. But before the procedure is completed, the patients become conscious again. They become aware of what's going on around them, and even more importantly, they become aware of what's being done to them. Thankfully, this phenomenon only happens once in every 19,000 surgeries. But here's a warning. If at some point in the future you happen to be that one person in 19,000, do not, I repeat, do not try to get up and leave the operating room immediately after you wake up. Now you may be tempted to do that or to try to do that in the midst of the anxiety, the fear, the horror of the moment, get me out of here. But with the procedure only partly finished, you'd be in no condition to go on with your life and resume a normal way of living. In fact, you'd probably die in the attempt to get out of the operating room. Now you might say, but Father Ray, that could never happen. No one could get up in the middle of a major operation and leave the operating room, even if they wanted to. That's true. Physically speaking, this would never happen and could never happen. But I mention it this morning at Mass because, spiritually speaking, this happens all the time. In the spiritual dimension of things, many people do, in fact, leave the physician, the divine physician, after he has begun the surgery that will cure them but before he finishes the operation. Case in point, the rich young man that we heard about in today's Gospel story. But first a word about that second reading from Hebrews 4. In that passage, the sacred author compares the Word of God to a two-edged sword, a cutting instrument like a surgeon's scalpel that separates one body part from another, joints and marrow is the expression, the image that's used in the text, and which in the process reveals diseases, conditions that need to be addressed, need to be dealt with, and hopefully end up cured. The point is, when we hear the word of God proclaimed in scripture, or in a homily, or in some other fashion, it will cut us at times, if we're really listening, if we're really paying attention. In other words, it will reveal to us attitudes and sins that we need to address, that we need to come to terms with, that we need to repent of, if we want to become the people the Lord wants us to be, the people the Lord knows we can be, the best possible versions of ourselves as Matthew Kelly would say.
And this is good. Even though it hurts, it's a good thing. You know, when a surgeon cuts you open to repair your heart or to remove a cancerous tumor, you can be absolutely sure of one thing. It's going to hurt. At least after the anesthesia wears off. But that's the first step, is it not? The necessary first step in the process of getting better. Which brings us finally to the rich young man in this gospel. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the divine physician, cuts him with his word in this scene by challenging him to come to terms with and to let go of his materialism and his selfishness. And notice something. Notice it's done in love. When God convicts us of a certain sin, it doesn't feel like a very loving act. But it is. And so it was for this young man. He certainly wasn't feeling a lot of love after Jesus said to him, Look, you are lacking in one thing. Go, sell what you have. Give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Give it all up and follow me. Jesus, of course, did not have to say that to him. He could have given the young man a pat on the back and said, congratulations. Because the young man did something rather extraordinary. He indicated to Jesus that he had been faithful to the Ten Commandments from his youth. That was no small accomplishment. So Jesus could have given him credit, said, well done, young man, patted him on the back, and then sent him on his way. Could have done that. But Jesus loved this boy too much to do that. As the text says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Our Lord loved the rich young man just as he was, but too much to let him stay that way, as Scott Hahn would put it. And so Jesus used the scalpel of his word to make a very deep incision into this young man's soul by telling him that he needed to sell his stuff, give to the poor, and then become a full-time disciple. See, our Lord did that because he knew that this was the only way for this young man to be healed. The only way for him to be healed of his materialism and his selfishness that were destroying him, whether he was aware of it or not, from the inside out like a cancerous tumor. You might say that at that decisive moment of his encounter with Jesus, the rich young man was on the spiritual operating table, fully conscious, as Jesus, the divine physician, made that incision. And then he got up and left. The cut was made, the disease, the sickness was clearly revealed, but before he could be cured, he left. He left right in the middle of the surgery. And the Bible says very clearly, this boy went away sad, which will probably come as a big surprise to every materialistic person who reads this story or hears this story. 
because for the rich young man, nothing had changed. Ostensibly, everything in his life remained exactly the same. He still had all of his money. Jesus hadn't even asked him for a donation for the ministry. He still had all his stuff. He still had everything that he thought was going to make him happy in this life. And yet, he wasn't happy. I think this young man sensed something. I think he sensed that in making the decision he made, he'd be missing out on something. Something really big. Something really important. Now the question is, what exactly was that big, important thing that he'd be missing out on? Besides the opportunity to get rid of his sins of materialism and selfishness, that was good enough. But I think he thought, understood, he might be missing out on something more. Well, notice the instruction Jesus gives him at the very end of their encounter. Jesus says to him, Come, follow me. Sound familiar? It should. That, as you will recall, was the very same thing that he had said to the twelve when he called them to be his apostles. He said to Peter, Come, follow me. James and John, come, follow me. Which leads me to wonder, was this man destined to be Judas's replacement? Was that ultimately God's will for him in his life? Remember, after Judas hanged himself, somebody had to be chosen to replace him. The Bible says that very clearly. An office, an apostolic office was vacant. And a man named Matthias was eventually chosen to fill the vacancy. Well, perhaps this young man would have been the one picked had he been around. Since he had been originally called to follow our Lord in the very same way that Peter and James and John and the other apostles had been called in their lives. We don't know for sure whether or not that would have happened. But it could have, if he hadn't walked away. The lesson of all this, my brothers and sisters, is very simple, and I'll leave you with this thought. When Dr. Jesus cuts you with his word, stay on the operating table so that a healing can occur in your soul. Learn a lesson from the mistake of this rich young man. When the word reminds you of your materialism or your selfishness or some other sin that you need to repent of and confess and which you would much rather ignore, don't ignore it. Repent. Repent in your heart. Then take it to confession where Dr. Jesus can finish the surgery and make you well.